Welcome to this week's episode of the Compass Equip Podcast. I'm flying solo as your host today. Pastor Evan is doing a training for our kids camp that is happening this week. So be praying for our kids science camp when you remember. But uh, your host may change, but the mission at Compass never does. At Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Well, Compass, I'm so glad to be joining you in this episode of the Compass Equip podcast as we look through and think about the sermon that we heard this week on prayer. In our series, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is tackling the topic of prayer and the kind of prayer that is indicative of a child of God. And we see this in Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8, which says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. The sermon focus for this week is that prayer should never be motivated or hindered by your desire for human acceptance, but driven by your sincere devotion to God who cares for his children's needs. Now, this focus found its uh, way through three points throughout the sermon. Point number one is don't let worldly motives hinder your prayers. Point number two is to prioritize private prayer life. And point number three was to find comfort in the God who cares. So we think through these points and about other uh, applications throughout the sermon. We look at point number one and think, about worldly motives and how they do hinder our prayers. And people often ask, well, how does, how does anything hinder my prayer to God? Well, if you look at Matthew 6, 5 through 8, we see multiple examples that hinder the prayer. When Jesus says, don't be like a hypocrite who prays to be seen by others. And so that prayer, even in as Jesus is talking, is a prayer that's hindered by the sin and the hypocritical motivations of the Pharisee. And those prayers that seem to be going up to God are not prayers that God's going to honor because they're not prayers at all. They are a means in which the Pharisees seek to gain applause for man. And we have to make sure that as we pray, are we praying to God? And this is, you know, for you, if you're in here and you're like, no, I just, I want to talk to God. I'm here because I'm devoted to him. I'm not doing this for human acceptance, but I'm doing this for sincere devotion to God. I'm not being hindered by my prayer because I'm fearful of man or I'm not motivated by men for prayer. Uh, and by men, I mean humanity, men and women. Now, then I'm going to say, then great, that's that's the place in the posture of prayer is to be done in sincere devotion to God, but we are are guilty, like I said in the sermon, of allowing uh, worldly motivations to hinder our prayers. For instance, when I talked about it in our, our culture, uh, we don't have an issue. Most of us don't have this problem for praying for public notoriety, but many people in our culture have this problem that they won't pray publicly because they're afraid of what people will think of them as they fumble and bumble through their prayers or as they 
are embarrassed because they don't pray well. I mean, all these things are indicative of fearing man and not fearing God. Uh, and so we may not be like the Pharisees in the sense of public notoriety or the desire for that, but we do desire that people would not think down on us. And oftentimes that means that we wouldn't pray in public when the option and opportunity arises or even when uh, the church calendar or your life group uh, demands it or expects it from you. And so we got to be, think about your life group. And when you're around a circle and you guys are praying and doing and doing corporate prayer together in your life group, uh, you know, I just think about the application of if you guys are praying together and, and multiple people are praying, uh, think about when, when we just sit there, no one wants to pray. I often think about that and wonder, you know, what does God think that none of his children want to pray in the presence of his other children? And for us, we have to say, I don't, I'm not going to fear man. I'm here for an audience of one and God wants us to pray and encourage one another through public prayer. And so I'm going to honor the Lord for my sincere, my sincere desire to please the Lord and my sincere devotion to the Lord, I'm going to pray publicly. So I just think that's a really great uh, example of ways that we struggle with praying for the wrong motives or not praying because of the wrong motives. And the other one that I thought most of us would deal with is saying things like, I'll pray for you, but never praying for the person that we just said we were going to pray for. Often we, we say, I'm going to pray for you uh, because it would be impolite not to say that. And as a Christian, you know, well, it is my job. I need to, you know, something's going wrong in your life. You need prayer. And so it's just second nature to us to say, I'll pray for you. But if we're not careful, we end up much more like a Pharisee than a child of God because we say, I'll pray for you to make ourselves look more holy than we are. I mean, we don't want to look at somebody and say, hey, I'm actually not going to pray for you. But as a pleasantry in this conversation, I want to let you know that there's at least some kind of superficial care that I have for you, so I'll pray for you. But without any real substance of a desire to go to the Lord and petition for that person. So we've got to be careful that we too can be just like the Pharisees by letting worldly motives like uh, not being seen the way that we don't want to uh, by other people that we need to be careful to say, hey, if I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to pray for you. Not because I'm afraid of what that person will think of me if I don't, or you know, it's societal uh, pleasantries and norms to say, I'll pray for you, unless we're really going to pray for them. Because what society makes as normal doesn't make it right. We know that to be true in a lot of different instances in our society and culture. And so saying, I'll pray for you without actually praying for them, may be a societal norm, but it should not be a Christian norm in prayer. Secondly, prioritizing our private prayer life. I'd like you guys, as you even look at your application questions and your devotional questions, because we don't have life group meeting this week, unless your life group leaders have told you otherwise. Um, if you guys have fellowships or y'all want to meet uh, in spite of our, us having an off week, that is more than okay. And your life group leaders will let you know that if that is the case. But when it comes to prioritizing your private prayer and your application questions, there's a question there. And asking yourself uh, the questions of, hey, are we dealing with our private prayer life well? And here's how we can ask ourselves. Uh, answer these questions to help you prioritize private prayer. Like, what time will you set apart for private prayer? Like, what time of the day? When are you going to do this? What is a common time that you're going to set apart to prioritize private prayer? Where is the place that you plan to retreat for prayer? This is a really good question, one that we spent much time on in the sermon, to make sure you have a place that I'm going to go and I'm going to retreat for prayer. And then what is your prayer plan? Do you have a list? Do you have a prayer journal? 
Uh, do you have a plan to go to the Lord and spending some diligent time in prayer? Those are three great questions for you to answer in regard to applying question uh, or point number two. And then point number three for us is to find comfort in the God who cares. I truly hope that throughout that sermon, as I was preaching it, that there was just a great joy and warmth and comfort in recognizing that your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. And you should find great comfort in the fact that if when you go into prayer with God, that you your communing with God isn't dependent on how much you ace that prayer. But that prayer is going to uh, be effectual because God is effectual. God uh, is effective in our prayer life. And so that's a great confidence that we have, that God knows everything uh, and he cares and he wants to hear from his children. And you can find comfort in that, that it's not about you, it's about God. Now, there were some questions that we received from our uh, our QR code on our note sheet, which I always encourage you, just a reminder, every single week there is going to be a QR code on your note sheet. You can scan that QR code and ask a question. And if you ask the question before we film our podcast, we will answer that question as best as we can. And so with that being said, we had a couple of questions come in, and we would like to take some time to answer those. Question number one is, what is the definition of prayer, and how can send hinder prayer, or can it? Well, the first question is to define prayer. And and really just a simple definition is prayer is the means in which Christians talk with God. I think to overcomplicate it would do a disservice to God's desire for us. It's just the means in which Christians talk with God. It's God's desire for us to commune with him. We have his word, which he has uh, revealed to us, and he has superintended through the apostles and the prophets. We have the Holy Spirit that seals us for redemption, and that Holy Spirit uh, intercedes for us, as Scripture teaches, uh, to God when our groanings uh, give way to uh, the petitions of the Holy Spirit on our behalf, because sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought, but we have the Holy Spirit who seeks the depths of God, and He intercedes for us. And we have the Holy Spirit who is our helper, is our guide, and God uses prayer for us to communicate with Him as our Father. And so I just think about His Word being operable in our prayer life, the Holy Spirit as the the, the mediator of that prayer. Uh, And even as we think about the Son, who is uh, always the mediator between God and man at the right hand of the Father, uh, and all of that, you can see how our prayer uh, really does fit into the triunity of God and his relationship with his people, uh, that we go to God in the name of of the Son. So we go to the Father in the name of the Son, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, as all of that encapsulates, that, that phrase and, and that sentence would encapsulate this desire for God, uh, for us to know that God wants his children to talk with him. And then the second part of that question is, does, can sin hinder prayer, or can it? Well, absolutely. I mean, if we think about sin uh, proper, like the general, like sin, sin has separated man from God. And so, you know, from from the get-go, prayer has been hindered, even as we think about the garden and, and the serpent and, and sin and Satan deceiving Adam and Eve, and as we see the degradation of society from Genesis 3 all the way to even to where we are now, I mean, the whole idea of sin is that it separates us from uh, communion with God. But I can imagine uh, in a more specific question, you may be saying, can sin hinder the Christian's prayer life. 
And even with that, I would say absolutely. I mean, two verses that I think are going to be helpful for us to think about sin's impact on the prayer life. One would be First Peter 3, verse 7, that says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So I even think of the application of 1 Peter 3, 7 is, you know, husbands, I mean, if you're going to domineer over your wife and you're not going to live with her in an understanding way uh, and you're not going to honor her as co-heirs with you in Christ, you know, if you're just going to bully your way around, well, you can expect something when it comes to your prayers that they're going to be hindered, that they're not going to be effectual, right? They're going to lack the, the effectiveness of prayer that comes from a strong, united marriage with a husband who loves and cares for his wife like Christ does the church. So there's a great example of sin of a husband not living with his wife in an understanding way that the Scripture says verbatim, your prayers are going to be hindered. A, a text that I used even in the sermon is James 4, 2 through 3, that says you ask and do not receive in verse 3 because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So here, here we are, spending things on your own passions uh, particularly when you ask wrongly to spend on your own passions. Well, you can sum that up by saying when you are in sin and you ask wrongly because you're asking God for things that you can spend on your own passions, which isn't in the positive here. We're not just talking about I like to crochet and knit or I like to uh, I like to go out and, and fly a kite. I mean, we're not talking about that, although that can also be wrong at times, but not saying as a blanket statement that that's a wrong thing to do. But you got to understand it's not talking about your hobbies here. We're saying, what James is saying here is you're asking wrongly. Like you're, you are in sin and you're desiring God to answer and give you everything you want so you can do whatever you want. And so even here we're saying, yes, absolutely. Your sinful desires and sinful ambitions will hinder your prayers, which is why we always pray in the will of God that we submit ourselves to his will. So I hope that answers that question, two parts of that question well Uh, for you. Thanks for sending in that question. Uh, A second question is in the context of talking about repetitive prayers. And uh, this question says, isn't saying the Lord's Prayer daily a repetitive prayer? And they have in uh, quotations uh, or parentheses, our Father who art in heaven, dot, dot, dot. Well, this is a good question, and we're going to get into a lot of that next week. But we need to recognize that even when we get into this text of uh, in verses 8 Uh, through uh, 13, to recognize that this has often been called the model prayer or the Lord's Prayer, depending on uh, the version of the Bible you have. And it's important for us to recognize this as a model prayer because Jesus is not saying to repeat these words meaninglessly every day or even repeat these words verbatim every day. It's a model prayer because it's showing us the priorities that we ought to have in prayer. You know, for instance, as we look at the text, Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, I don't have to repeat that every day to recognize it's telling me to do something. Recognize God is my Father, enthroned in the heavens, and he is holy, and his name is holy. He's ho- he is sanctified, hagiadzo, which is what hallowed there, the Greek word for hallowed is, hallowed be your name, holy are you, you are exalted in the heavens. So I don't have to repeat that to recognize that my prayer life should regularly start as, oh, my Father who is in heaven, you are holy and exalted in the heavens, and you are not only the God that is in the heavens, but you're the God and the Father who is near. 
and I can keep going, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. I mean, it's the model of saying, God, your kingdom is what I desire to be done here right now, and your will is what I desire to be done here. And in my prayer, as I exalt the God, uh, our Father in the heavens, and, and I speak about the holiness of his name, and I think about his kingdom that that has been ushered in in Christ, and the desire for my life to be uh, congruent or to be living underneath the authority of his kingdom that's that's coming. And I pray that even now that it would come and be more manifest in my life. And then I'd pray, God, I pray that your will would be done. Not my will, but God, I know your will in heaven is for you to get ultimate glory. Your will in heaven is that all the inhabitants would bow down and worship you and that your will here on earth is that people would come to know you. And so God, I pray that I would be an ambassador of Christ. I would appeal to people uh, to be uh, to be made right in your eyes through Christ, that I'd, I would appeal to people to be reconciled. And so you never heard that appealing to, for people to be reconciled. God, uh, help me uh, honor and adore you because this prayer is a model prayer. And I, and I hope that was just a good example to look at those two verses to say, I don't believe Jesus is telling us, hey, repeat these these specific words every single day of your life. Instead, it's a template. It's a model for us to say, oh, God wants us to remember that he is our father who is holy and he is enthroned in the heavens, but he's also our father. And that he wants us to recognize that the whole purpose of Christ's coming was to ransom a people for his own possession, a kingdom of priests who's going to be ruled and reigned by Christ, the, the son of David. His kingdom is coming and his will will be done, and on and on and on and on. So uh, to answer that question, to kind of close it off, is to say the Lord's Prayer is a is, is not a repetitive prayer because it's not really repeating anything. It's giving us a template to say, hey, this is what your prayers, this is the way that your prayers should be ordered. This is a, a great template to say, how do I know I'm, I'm praying in the way that Christ would want me to pray. Look at the Lord's Prayer. It's not asking me every single day to bow my head and say that bird, those words verbatim. It's saying, hey, here is a great way for you to order your prayer life in a way that would honor the Lord. Hey, those are some good questions. Uh, as always, I want to encourage you to continue asking good questions on that QR code that we can begin asking the kind of questions and answering these questions in a way where it helps us all to learn more about the sermon that we just heard this week. Uh, some other questions we can look at here. Uh, one question is, how can I know if my request is in the will of God? Well, there is God's revealed will, you know, where it says do not murder. Well, it is off, is obviously in God's will for us not to murder people, right? Uh, God's will for you is your sanctification. Well, it's God's will for you to be sanctified. There's this revealed will. Uh, and then then there is also uh, the, the the will of God that is not revealed right you can call it a secret will of God or you can you can just you just call it the, the will of God that is not revealed like uh, where do I work where do I move uh, what should I name my kiddos I mean, those aren't in the revealed will of God through his word uh, but they are things that we would like to seek counsel and, and recognize that we would want God's uh, we want God's wisdom and will in our lives, even in the things that aren't revealed to us in his word. And those are great things to pray for. Uh, what we would pray in those is to recognize, okay, am I praying for selfish motives? Uh, if I am, uh, then that will that prayer is not in the will of God. Uh, am I praying to spend God's answer on my own desires? Much like James tells us in James 4, chapter 3. 
I'm not going to ask wrongly to spend on my own passions, but I want to pray for the will of God that he would be most glorified in my life. I think that's a helpful way, at least two examples of saying, how do I know if my request is in the will of God? Well, is why don't we even look at the model prayer as a great template for that? How do I know if my prayer is in the will of God? Is Are we asking the prayer within the context of God being holy and exalted in the heavens in our Father? Are we asking about his kingdom coming? Is this prayer got anything to do with uh, me submitting under the kingdom that he has inaugurated in Christ and that I am living in the progressive reality that his kingdom is coming? Am I asking for his will to be done in this situation? Regardless of my own desire and preferences, I'm asking for his will to be done ultimately uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, I mean, to be asked the questions that way, I think would be very, very beneficial and helpful for you. Um, any good book, books on prayer? That's a good question. That would be helpful. Uh, there is a couple of good books. Uh, the Prayer of Power and the Power of Prayer by R.A. Torrey. It's a really, really good book uh, that I think is it's old, but it's good. Uh, it's very old. It even has a section in there talking about how you shouldn't be going to movie theaters and stuff. But obviously that was a, uh, well, there may be some real reasons why not to go to certain movie theaters, depending on what you're watching and why you're using your time that way. But that's neither here nor there. Just to show you how old it is, that I mean, it's really in a time when uh, going to the movies was seen as something that uh, Christians would never even think about doing. But very old book, but I think very helpful in prayer. Uh, I think Don Whitney's books, The uh, Spiritual Disciplines, is a great book. It talks a lot about the prayer life. Uh, there, there's a couple of other really, really good books on prayer. Uh, let me see what if there's any that I'm currently... Uh, I think R.A. Torrey was a good one, and Don. Uh, Don Carson also has a book on prayer, but let's see. Oh, J.I. Packer's book, Praying. That's a really, really good book uh, about prayer. I love thinking about prayer. That's an area that I always want to grow in, and something I feel like is such a mystery that we have a God who knows everything, but yet he desires and for his children to pray. Uh, another book, A.W. Tozer's book, it's just prayer, is also another really good book. I think those will help you get a really, really good start on prayer. If you want some more resources, you can always come talk to me. So Tozer's book on prayer, R.A. Torrey's The Prayer of Power and the Power of Prayer, uh, and Tozer's book on prayer. Uh, and, and what was I? I don't think I was missing the other one. R.A. Torrey, Tozer, and... Oh, and uh, uh, Don Whitney's book, The Spiritual Disciplines. Those are three good books to get you guys started on your reading about prayer that I think will be really helpful and beneficial for you. All right, guys, we're so grateful uh, that you have been with us on this podcast. We'll end with some announcements. Reminder, there's no life group meeting this week unless your life group leader has told you otherwise. By all means, you're more than welcome to meet. Uh, but if your life group leader has told you you're meeting, then you can. You obviously will hear from them about where and when. But for the rest of us, life group is taking a break this week as we prepare for our science kids camp this week, Tuesday uh, through Friday. And our men's breakfast is this Saturday, August the 12th from 9 a.m. to 11. So all you men, we want you to see you there. And then eight days after that, our back-to-school bash is started just a week later. After the 11 a.m. service, join us outside for a wonderful celebration for all that God has done. And be sure to invite someone with you. Don't come alone that day. We want to hear the gospel ring forth clearly and boldly, and we want people to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ by turning from their sin and placing their trust in Christ. We have baptism services coming up. we got 
two separate baptism services coming up. August 27th, we have another spot or two open in that service, uh, but otherwise it's full. And we have another baptism service coming up October the 15th. And we would love for you to go ahead and go online now and register for baptisms. Uh, If you have not been baptized uh, and you've recently been saved, or maybe you've been saved for a long time and you've never followed through in believer's baptism, we would encourage you to stop right now and go sign up and register for baptisms at compasshillcountry.org slash baptisms. Finally, we have Adventure Club registrations open for our midweek ministry kids program. And so if you're three years old uh, through the fifth grade, we want you to sign your kiddos up for the Adventure Club registration. You can find out more online at compasshillcountry.org slash kids. The uh, registrations are open and uh, Adventure Club starts on August the 23rd. All right, Compass, I'm grateful for you guys. I'm praying for you this week as uh, you uh, begin prioritizing private prayer in perhaps a way that we haven't up until this point. I'm praying that that would be so. We look forward to seeing you next week.